I'd like to say that the stick is a very underrated but very useful weapon which has been in use for centuries. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Here we are, back with another episode on the sticks of the Kabuto weapons. Okay, Landon, say hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Wildcat Dojo Conversations. It would be funny if they had tuned in and they didn't know we were Wildcat Dojo Conversations. It's like, I wonder where I'm at. (laughs) Sensei Jackie? Hey, everybody. We are so lucky to have Sensei Jay today, aren't we? Uh, I'm so happy he's here. Always my pleasure to be here and be invited. Thank you. If you don't know who Sensei Jay is, well, then you haven't been listening enough. That's for uh, sure. Go back to the episode on Master Collegian Stories. That was, we believe, his first episode with us. Do you think we're right on that? I think so. He's been on four or five times, though. Plus, and you hear him every episode. This is our second episode on Kabuto. And as I stated, it's all about the sticks. We're just going to jump right in with a list, okay? Sticks, sticks, sticks. We better get going. The bow... I wonder if we should say the longbow. Us. Mm. Then also the hanbow. And while I was researching the hanbow, I found one that you guys are going to find interesting. And I think it's called the karuma bow. And then, of course, there's the tambo and the ninti. And today we'll finish up with the kua and the iku, or the gardening tool, the hoe, and the boating device, the oar. You have experience with both the gardening tool and the oars of fishing because those are both things you like, right? Exactly. I sure do. And sometimes when you're with them, I bet you're thinking this is a great tool. Well, hoes, if you're working in the garden, are are good for snakes. (laughs) I witnessed that. (laughs) Okay. Before we start describing each weapon, let's list some of the characteristics that all these sticks have in common. You want to start us out here, Sensei Jackie? I'd be glad to. The basic purpose of any stick is to increase your reach, the force you can deliver, create an advantage by using leverage, and of course, use it for sweeps and takedowns. By the way, the position of the hands on the weapon determines whether the strike is made for a longer or a shorter distance. So I think what you're saying here is, by changing your grip, you can reach farther or closer. But there is a point when a person is so close to you that it hampers the power that the long bow brings to the party. That's right. Which is why your favorite bow, Sensei Jay, this is a spoiler alert, is the Han bow. Yes. Because it's better at a closer end situation. Yes. I always walk with a couple sticks, the shortest one being 42 inches and the longest 48. That's a great segue, though, into our favorite strikes. Do you have a favorite ready to say? Yes, Sensei. I do. I would block and then both hands on the weapon, a diagonal strike to the collarbone. So you love a collarbone break. Cool. What do you like, Sensei Jackie? Okay. My favorite bow strike actually has a story along with it. I like it when I have the bow behind my back and I'm holding it usually with two hands, but then I release one hand and come around to the front with a sweeping strike. So you like a horizontal strike. I do. Hmm. And I was doing that shortly after I started karate in Master Collegian's warehouse and did not know that next to me, underneath a quilt, was his motorcycle. Oh, no. And I did that strike, hit the motorcycle, and Sensei Michelle jumped off her chair to make sure I hadn't heard it, which thankfully I had not. But it's definitely a great strike. Yikes. 
How about you, Landon? What's your favorite strike? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, my favorite strike would probably have to be an Oso Men, just because you get so much power behind your head and you can just hit very hard, and that is a very, let's say, vital area. And, and an Oso Men, just in case you don't know this, is where the strike hits the opponent on the top of the head. You come down kind of like a sword strike or like a psycho. <laughs> I'm going to go with a U punch. I love a good ah, U punch. Yes. That's two hands on the bow, horizontally straight out. Think of your arms making the letter U and you got it going. Okay, Landon, what do we got next? A sensei, like all weapons, timing, accuracy, and practice are needed if you want to be successful with any of these sticks. And that's true with anything in life, right? Yes. Repetition, repetition, repetition. <laughs> Did you guys read where the spear is in contention with the bow as the oldest weapon that existed? I'm just saying the bow had to be first because then they learned to sharpen the end. I would I think so that. too. Huh. Unless they picked up um, a branch that had already been cut off the tree. Okay. okay. All right. See, that's why there's contention here. <laughs> Chicken and egg. Okay. So with all that done, we're off and running with bow facts. Sensei Jackie did all the heavy lifting on this research. Thank you, by the way. My pleasure. So will you define the bow, please, and tell them what sights you used? Of course. A bow is a long pole or a stick. It said it's the oldest weapon of all the weapons we know about. Although I just did tell you that point of contention thing. I know. And I used IKKU.org and the Original Martial Arts Encyclopedia, along with a Kogaru style. Huh. Those are some interesting sources. Yep. And I'll add that in general, a bow is six feet long. But in our style, we cut our bows two inches taller than we are. And a fun story is that when I got my first bow, I was very tiny and the bow was very big. And <laughs> the, the piece that we cut off, the extra piece, we turned into a screamer. Oh, that's that's cool. cool. Or for this, a tombo. Uh, oh. I'd like to add to that. The traditional six-foot bow is called a Roku Shaku bow because Roku means six and Shaku is a measurement of approximately one foot. That's really cool, isn't it? It is. Yes. And I actually was interested in the Shaku and it has a very interesting like story behind it, the measurement of Shakus. So if you type in Shaku. For I example. remember from the other episode we did it, I think it might have been in the Samurai episode. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I don't remember exactly. But it was very cool. On that same note, I read about the Go Shakubo, and those people who count to 10 in Japanese will know that Go means five, so therefore it is... Five feet. Five foot bow. So let's keep going here, Sensei Jackie. Okay, I've got one. The first bow were called Ishibo, and they were made of stone. Stone, really? Hard to picture that, isn't it? Seriously, guys? It, it was for me, and it was, of course, very heavy and difficult to make. It evolved to the Konsaibo, wood studded with iron. And these were eventually replaced by the unmodified wood staffs. You know, I can see adapting a bone to a bow, but a stone, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> and no rhyme was intended there. <laughs> Here's something we read. The science of fighting with a bow is called Bojitsu, and it's defined as a system of armed combat Using the bow. That's cool. And there was a, a style when we talked about the nunchucks. That was mm -hmm. about the nunchucks. So. Yeah. And so some people are doing the entire Kabuto weaponry. Some people are putting weapons into their empty hand training. And some people are specifically staying within a weapon within their the science of their training. Okay, Landon, what's our last fact? 
a sensei, um, we read that people shouldn't call a bow a bow staff because bow means staff. So they would actually be calling it a staff staff. And I think that's pretty funny. I do too. I love that. Okay. On that note, let's move on to the Hanbo. Oh, Sensei Jay, since I know that you are a Hanbo enthusiast, can I go that way? Yes. Would you please start us out? The Hanbo is three shaka long or about half as long as a bow. It's not common to all styles, but it is one I like because it is easy to find and handle And it's not intimidating to others when you walk with it. And because of its length, if both your hands need to get busy with something, you could stick it in your belt like a katana. Oh, really? And it's still at the ready, and you have the use of your hands. You know, Sensei Jay, that's really interesting because Hatsune Soke wrote that mastering the hanbo is necessary before you attempt to master the katana. So it's all part of the same scope. Yeah. And it kind of goes to what we've said all along about people come to the same conclusions over time. Us. That's true. In fact, some people say that many Hanbo techniques were developed during the time that samurai weren't allowed to carry their swords. Mm. Okay. I'm taking this one home for us with this silly fact. I found some Hanbo on sale on Etsy. You got to admit, that's weird. That's cool. Wow. Okay, I'm moving on to the one I found called the Karuma Bow. Now, just a little aside here. This was not on our original list of Kabuto weapons. Correct. But it was listed on the site I was on as a Kabuto weapon. And it's exactly like a nunchuck. Only one of the sticks is four feet long. And the other stick is 12, 14, 16 inches at the most. That's super cool. Can I add one more? Please do. And some say it may have been an Asian thresher. So you're saying it's like a set of chucks with the ability to break down major distance. I'm adding it also must have a small element of insanity. (laughs) And I'm adding that we're going to find out for ourselves when we build one. Uh, I think it sounds awesome. I can't wait to see it. I did see these for sale online, but I've seen all these weapons for sale online. When you when you type them in, they come right up. Right up. <laughs> okay. On we go to the Tanbo, which I rhymed that. Tan, tan, tanbo. Okay, Sensei, can I start? Please. Um, it's spelled T-A-N-B-O, but people also spell it T-A-N-B-O, T-E-N-B-O, T-A-N-B-O. Uh, <laughs> I know do. she's going through this really fast, guys, but the point of the story is it's got a lot of spelling. Yes, yes and every everywhere I look, they spelled it differently, like, no, no, no. And in the script, there's a lot of squiggly lines that are all of their names. I know. (laughs) Nobody likes the way we spelled it. Everybody argues about which is the more correct. (laughs) And typical with what we always find when we search for these old arts, right? That is right. But let's tell them what it is. It's a short stick, and you may measure from your elbow to your wrist to get the size great for you. I found that part interesting. But don't we do that with the screamer? No, not elbow to we don't measure. You just yes. pick what size you want. Us? Well, it's a short weapon. Black Belt Wiki says it can be 18 to 24 inches long. Either way, that would make it easy to hide. And you have a short one that you built for yourself that is kind of a cross between an Eskrima and, awesome. well, a Wakasashi. Yes. Right? Oh, okay. It's kind of a cross. Like, it's 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 the bow conversion of a wakasashi, but it doesn't have a tube on it. It's just a stick. It's really nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it goes right into his belt and he created like a little thing so that it, it like a little notch 
so that it hangs nicely on the belt without falling through. And because of my size, it's a little bit longer, 24. I made it 27 inches. Us. Anyway, they were usually used in pairs, which is how we use Escrimas in our style. Like the Hanbo, some people compare the strikes of the Tanbo to sword strikes. So I'm saying since it's so short, you know, 12 inches, wouldn't that be more like knife strikes? Maybe, maybe. But let's finish with something that it doesn't have in common with the longer weapons. Because it's short, it's good for locking up the joints, what we call in our style joint control. And that is a real plus. So let's try to tell our audience who doesn't know that. It is a plus, by the way. Good point. What's a visual we can give them of locking up a joint with it? The the person is holding the stick and they've wrapped your hand around it? It Or possibly stuck up into your armpit? Right. Or it could be laid diagonally across your back and have your arm folded over it. Or Or, you you say that. (laughs) Or it could be on your on your shoulder or near your collarbone and pushing down. Yeah. Those are all good choices of a visual that you guys could get. But, you know, we're encouraging you guys to get in a dojo if you've never been there. It's fun. Us. Before we move on. And I found this interesting. People say that the tambo is similar to and used like the Irish shillelagh, escrimas, and police batons. Good point, Cynthia J. Thanks for sharing it. We're moving on to the nunty bow, and that one is really a cool one. And I believe, Landon, that you're starting it out for us. Listen, say it is a cool one because I'd like everyone to check out our Twitter feed. We posted a picture of the nunty bow, so check it out. We're at Wildcat Dojo all over the web on our Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and webpage. You can send us an email at dojoconversations at AOL.com. Also send your voicemails there, or you can text us or call us at 954-350-1915. Okay, back to the picture. Well, it's a great picture. But for those of you who can't look there, here's a quick description. The nunji bow is a long stick with two prongs near the pointed end. One prong points away from the tip, and the other one points towards the tip. I would like to imagine that it may have originated as a fisherman's spear, possibly with one hook used to pull up nets and the other used to push off from the dock. That's what they say. That makes sense. But as usual, another site says it found its origins in Buddhism, based on a handheld talisman, and that the design was later changed to be used as a weapon. This site, Cido.com, C-I-D-O.com, says it was a favorite weapon in southeastern China, and many of the schools in this area teach it. The nunti is said to represent the hands in all capacities. They say that whatever the hand does, the nunti can do. A couple of things. Is another word for a talisman, Sensei Jackie, a good luck charm? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. I did read that, Landon. Picture this, though. Because of the wings, those are the two curvy pieces. The nunti bow has added strength. It has the strength of catching and trapping, kind of like the sai. Yes, when I saw it first, I was actually like, oh, is that a sai? And then I was like, no, it has a few more wings. And they use those prongs or wings to hook a sword and snap the blade or twist the weapon from the attacker's hand. So since they remember at the beginning when we said that all these weapons need practice to become proficient. Yes, and that was a lot of peas. (laughs) (laughs) What about this weapon? They wrote it really oddly. Here's what they said in the traditions book. It takes a, and in quotes they put, different 
type of person, a complete mental psychic to become one with this weapon as a whole. Accuracy and a mind of Zen is a necessity. They go on. If you master the Nunti bow, you have mastery and complete control of oneself and the art of Tay as well. Hmm. Well, that wasn't a fun fact. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? But I'm moving on anyway to the Kua, the ordinary garden hoe. Mm. For this one, I used a site called, I'm going to go with Kai Gai Wei. Uh, that's what I think. K-A-I-G-A-I-W-A-Y, because why wouldn't they put an I at the end of that? <laughs> KaiGaiWay.com. Start me out here, please, Sensei J. Sure. Unlike the Nunti, it's not a remarkable weapon, but this is interesting. All agrarian cultures adapted their hoes as a weapon. That is a really cool fact to me. And because it's not noticed, it's kind of invisible, it makes it more deadly. It's usually four to six feet long. On one site, the hoe part looks more like an axe than the hoe we're used to seeing. Oh, really? Yeah, because it came out, you know how a hoe comes out perpendicular? And this was also perpendicular, but it was an axe head. So you would hold it sideways and make like a row in the ground as opposed to holding it horizontal. It was really cool. They could cut roots or sticks or anything that was in the way of the furrow they were trying to create. Good point. And and also, could they use it almost as a shovel when they turned it the other way? After they cut the roots, they would shovel them out of the way with it. I believe in just a minute when we're back at the ore, we say both the ore and the kua are known for that throwing the sand up in the eyes of the opponent feature that a lot of the skinnier weapons don't have. But back to the kua, you can Google and see some people working with hose online. And one of the Google videos I saw also had a woman that was doing the um, the kua. And I, I thought that she used it mostly in that throwing and pushing. And I, I can see here that we're going to move on to the iku, which is the oar. And I know you're going to start us out, Sensei Jackie. Yes, of course. I'll be glad to start because this is one of my favorite things. A lot of us under Master Collegian have an absolute love of the oar as he brought it to us in the form of a beautiful kata he created called Imperial Ore. It is an unbelievably beautiful kata. That's a gorgeous kata. Going to the history, as usual, some say it originated in Okinawa, and some say it started in China. We will probably never know. I'm really tired of that argument. It's going to be in every single uh, history of every single weapon that we study. So there it is, right? That's it. Okay, there's a legend that fishermen adopted the iku or the oar for self-defense. It's kind of logical, though, so does it really need to even be a legend? That's right, whether their weapons, bladed weapons, have been taken away or not. People who worked by the water had to use what they had as a weapon. That's right. Sensei, you know what else they're saying in the research? An iku should be approximately 160 centimeters long. But from a management point of view, I think each person needs to find a weapon length that they can manage. And that's what we said about the bow as well, right? You just have to find something that works for you. I mean, Sensei Jay, for those of you who don't know him, he is a tall man and he likes a short bow. Us, his picture's on our webpage. Oh, yeah, you could look him up on our webpage. And on the black belt link of the webpage as well. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Okay, guys. Time to close this episode out. Hey, that went really fast. (laughs) 
Buzz, before we go, I'd like to say that the stick is a very underrated but very useful weapon, which has been in use for centuries. I have to agree with you, Sensei Jay. But I'd also like to give a shout out to the cane. It's not a Kabuto weapon, but it is a great stick. And a holler out to Master David Shop from Weston for creating this incredible cane kata. Very cool. Canes, like umbrellas, are available, easy to learn and adapt, and well worth a little of your time. I am going to share my cane story. It's a great story. So I'm in karate about a year and a half, and we're walking, a few of us, in downtown Hallandale, and coming towards us about four blocks away is a what I thought at the time was an old man, but I'm going to say he was probably in his 70s at the time, maybe 80s, and, and a woman, right? And they're walking down the street towards us, and he's walking with his cane. And they're walking, and we're walking, nothing's happening. And just as we get on the block where he is, he pushes his wife softly onto the grassy area. He steps in front of her, and he picks his cane up in an aggressive posture, and he just stands there and waits for us to pass. And then everybody keeps walking. God bless him. Even at the time, in that selfish way you are when you're in your young 20s, I thought that was so cool and such a good use of a stick. And Because a year and a half in, I was using a bow, right? Right, of course. So I never spoke of it that day to the people I was with. So I don't know if they noticed it or not. But I think it's pretty neat. I think it's cool. Right? And that you remembered it all this time. It made an impression. Agree. Okay, Landon, you're taking us home. How is it happening? Wow, I'm going to bring up the silliest research we found. Here it is. There was a site called thekaratelifestyle.com, and they say there's no such thing as a karate weapon because karate means empty hand. And I'm going to add that that is really splitting hairs. I mean, I get what they're saying. It makes sense, but it's a little... I believe whoever wrote that graded all my papers in college. (laughs) (laughs) And on that little bit of laughter, sorry you had such tough teachers, let's jump into Honor Athletics. Us, Honor Athletics, of course. Is our sponsor, and you can reach them at honorathletics.com for all your karate and sports needs, or at 770-945-5150. And don't forget to mention Wildcat Dojo for a 10% discount. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you, Sensei Jay, for being here. It is always such a fun time to have you. Always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think we've done everything, so let's say goodnight. Start us out, Sensor Jackie. Good night, everybody. See you soon. Bye, everybody. I'm signing out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.